Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. So highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created, all for love's sake became poor. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I to say that you're my God and you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. And I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon the Timothy. Uh, so it's funny because you don't want to know how many times we read over this bulletin and everything. So it makes me think of if you want to uh, make God laugh, tell him your plans. Uh, so I think it's a little bit humorous. But I am going to read from you. If you want to open up, you can find it. We are in 2 Timothy. We are starting with chapter 3, verse 14, and going through chapter 4, verse 5. And so if you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? amen. Starting with verse 14. 
But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how, you have, uh, and how from your childhood, childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message, be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. But as for you, always be sober, enduring, suffering. Do the work of the evangelist. Carry out your ministry fully. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
just join in a moment of prayer. Good and gracious God, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you for gathering us here. We thank you for helping us to be the church after 175 years. We thank you, Lord. Continue to pour your Holy Spirit upon us and bless the words of your mouth and the words of our mouth and the thoughts of our minds. May all that we do and all that we say be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. I have to confess something to you. I have no idea why, but for some reason I'm nervous today. Now, you know me. Every I just have to say that because you know me that it's very little that could ever make me nervous. And I normally love standing up here and talking to all of you, but uh, I don't know. So little confession and, you know, you guys can pray for me. So I have no idea. David, I'm going to blame you. I think it's because our conference minister is here. I don't think that's really true. But anyways, so let's talk about what we just read. So all of the apostles, including Paul, would spend their ministry going from place to place and traveling around and building up churches. That's what they do. They'd, they all kind of started in Jerusalem, except for Paul, but that's a longer story. They all basically started in Jerusalem, and then they went to places like Ephesus and Galatia and Rome and Thessalonica and back again into so many other places around Asia Minor. They traveled and they traveled and they built churches. They told people the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news that people were yearning to hear, and they built up churches every single place that they went, and it was absolutely amazing. But here's the thing about the apostles. So the apostles couldn't stay in one place after they built a church forever. They would go to a place, and they would build a church, but then they had other work to do. They had to move on. They, they had to get up, and they had to go do ministry elsewhere. Elsewhere, they had to keep moving. So sometimes they would leave a student behind who could do some of that work. Or other times, if they thought that the leadership of the church was, was going to be, uh, be uh, sufficient enough, then they would just move on. And that's what happened at the time of the early church. The apostles could not stay and work with those churches forever. But what they did do is they wrote to those churches. Now, we talk about in Bible study on Wednesday how we wish so much that we had the letters that the churches wrote to the apostles, wouldn't that just be so awesome as they're writing to the apostles, telling them all about their problems and all the help that they need? It would be so interesting to read those letters, but we don't have those letters. But we do. what we do have is many of the letters that the apostles, especially the apostle Paul, wrote back to the churches. We have these letters that they wrote because after they left the church that had been started, the churches had some problems from here or there. They had to learn how to follow Christ in a world that didn't always seem like it wanted to follow Christ. And so they wrote to Paul and to the other apostles, and then the apostles wrote back. And it still amazes me that we have these letters today. It is such an amazing thing. And so I want to be honest, sometimes the, the churches would get these words of praise from the apostles. So let's look at some of the words of praise. Like in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, the first letter to the Thessalonians, he gives them so many resounding words of praise. Paul says to them, we always give thanks to God for all of you and mention you in our prayers constantly, remembering your work of faith and your labor of love. Paul was saying to the church in Thessalonica, 
you guys are doing the ministry that we love and we are so very proud of you. But then sometimes Paul wouldn't write those kind of letters. In Bible study on Wednesday, we were reading through Galatians and Paul doesn't even say any words of thanksgiving. He just gets right to this part. Uh, I'll read this to you. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Then he goes on to say that, that even though there isn't a different gospel, but the reality is that it was really, truly hard for the churches to get started and then continue to grow without the apostles there to guide them. It was so very difficult because there were so many distractions there were so many distractions. This may have been 2,000 years ago, but we have distractions today, don't we? There are so many distractions. Every worldly distraction that wants to, to separate people from following Jesus, from following the Son of God. And so the, the, all the, the churches quickly learned that to be in the world but not of the world is sometimes easier said than done, isn't it? And think about this, it's been almost 2,000 years, and yet still we know that it can be so difficult to be in the world, but not of the world. It can be so difficult to follow Jesus and to do everything out of love, and then to walk out of these church doors and go interact with everyone in society. And so Paul wrote letters, he wrote so many letters, and we have this letter, which is actually not written to a church, this is a letter written to a young minister. Now here's the thing, it may have not been written by Paul, there's a lot of debate about that. We're not going to talk about that right now because we just don't have time, unless you guys want to stay here for another 20 minutes. So <clears throat> we are not going to talk about that. But the reality is that, that someone, Paul or one of his students, wrote this letter to a young minister. Because what would happen, you know, we talked about how the apostles built the churches and then they moved on. Well, sometimes they would leave some of their students behind to help and to serve those churches. And so this young minister, whose name was Timothy, was apparently not having the best time. The young minister named Timothy was finding out that it wasn't so easy to work with a church and to teach them about Jesus when there are so many distractions in the world. So Paul writes this letter to Timothy, and sometimes some of the lines in the letter distract us, and we don't get the whole entire point, but the whole point of this letter is to remind Timothy, and then his entire congregation that's with them, is to remind them to stand firm in their faith. No matter what's going on around them, to stand firm in their faith, remembering the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's such good news, isn't it? To remember that good news, to stand firm in their faith, to be persistent. And if they do that, then God will be with them. Now, friends, I'll tell you, it just absolutely amazes me that our church is still in existence 175 years after a, a bunch of German folks got together and decided that they wanted to build a church. It amazes me that 175 years later, we're not only here, but we're growing and we're loving it, are we not? We're not only here, but, but we're having fun. Yeah, you guys can clap. It's an amazing thing. <laughs> When 
know what? Sometimes when people ask me, like, what we do in church, I said, I don't know. We have a lot of fun. <laughs> if you're going to have fun and worship God, then, then it's okay. Because the reality is that a lot of people don't want to get up on Sunday morning. A lot of people want to stay snug in their beds. A lot of people, a lot of teenagers don't want to get uh, get to church on Friday night and spend their Friday evening at youth group. And yet our kids do. A lot of people in this world don't want to read an old book that, by the way, is really super awesome and I love so much. A lot of people don't want to read an old book and talk about it for 20 minutes every Sunday. A lot of people don't want to do that, and yet we do. And we do that because just like Timothy, we've learned that we need to stand firm in our faith. Just like Timothy, we've learned what the Apostle Paul was telling him, that there are going to be so many distractions in this world, and there are so many distractions in this world. There are going to be distractions every single place that we look. There are going to be things that want to turn us around from a message of love. There are going to be things that make us want to, you know, be people who turn to hate and and turn to violence or whatever. There are all these other messages out there. But we stand firm in the message of Jesus. We stand firm in the message that God's love is amazing. Does anybody else want to stand firm in that message? We stand firm in the message that God loves us unconditionally, even though the reality is that half the time we don't really deserve it. We stand firm in the message that we need to love our neighbors no matter who our neighbors are. No matter what our neighbors look like, we stand firm in that message, do we not? People wonder why our church continues to grow and thrive after 175 years of ministry. But the reason is because we are standing firm in the message of Jesus. We are standing firm and we're having fun and we are doing it. It is wonderful. Ministry is wonderful. So friends, I just want you to think, you know, uh, the importance of the church in this world, the importance of this church in this world, in this community. I want you to take a moment and to be honest with yourself and to think, you know, who might I be? Think about it for yourself. Who might I be if it wasn't for the church? Look deep, deep within. Who would I be if I never heard the gospel? What would my life look like If my grandma never brought me to church, what would my life look like if I didn't hear the good news of God's redeeming love? What would my life look like? Forgiveness. What would forgiveness even mean if it wasn't for the church? Loving your neighbor. What would that even look like if we didn't have the example of Jesus? Friends, we as a church need to stand firm in our faith because we know the good news and we've heard the good news and we love the good news, but we also need to share the good news with the rest of the world, don't we? I know that sometimes in our denomination, we get a little scared away from being evangelical, but the reality is that there are so many people in this world who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They need us to stand strong in our faith, and they need us to spread the gospel and to share the love of God. They need people who aren't going to to do terrible things to them and stab them in the back, but they need people who follow Jesus and who are forgiving and who are loving and who love the Lord and love all of our neighbors we need a church like that don't we and that's why we're here 
after 175 years. So today, friends, I thank God for those, I believe it was 16 German folks who got together and built a church. And I thank God for every one of you who has ever walked through those doors. And I thank God for all of the ministry that we're going to do in the next 175 years. Because <laughs> we have work to do. Just like Timothy needed to, we're going to stand strong in our faith, are we not? We are going to worship the Lord, are we not? And we are going to spread the gospel. Because everyone needs to hear it. Let's join in a moment of prayer. Good and gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for blessing us and for being with us, for allowing us to not have a church building to be in, but to have a church family, brothers and sisters in Christ who are rooted together in your redeeming love. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. And now we, we pause to remember the prayer that Jesus taught us and to say together, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever you call me out upon the waters the great grace abounds in deepest waters your sovereign hand will be my guide where feet may fail and fear surrounds me you've never failed and you won't start now and I rise my soul will rest in your embrace for i am yours and you are mine spirit feed me where my trust is with me love. 
And now let us continue our anniversary celebration with our morning tithes and offerings.
Let us pray together. Gracious God, may this act of giving transform our hearts and our minds. May you bless these gifts and use them to do your will. Through Christ we pray. Amen. And now you may all be seated as I'm going to invite our conference minister, Reverend David Gajewski, to come forward at this time. And we are thrilled to have the conference here with us as we celebrate such a wonderful anniversary. Good morning, church. Good morning. So, Elizabeth, I've never heard you preach before. Oh. Okay. And, and after that, there is no question in my mind whatsoever why this church is growing. Okay. And also the choir, the bell choir, and wow. <laughs> so I go to a lot of churches around the state, Sunday after Sunday, mm -hmm. I'm visiting churches. And a question I sometimes ask myself when I'm leaving is, so if I was a visitor, would I come back to this church? Sadly, too often the answer is, yeah, I don't think so. This one, oh yes. That's good news. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> wow. So I bring you greetings on behalf of the New York Conference of the United Church of Christ, your 250 sibling congregations that are located throughout the state, from Niagara Falls to the point of of Long Island, from the Pennsylvania border to the Adirondacks and all the places in between. You talked about church growth mm -hmm. during your sermon. In the year 20, 2000, the New York Conference set a goal of 20 new churches by the year 2020. And those would be either church plants or new church affiliations. We met the goal in 2017. That's awesome. <laughs> and when we gather next year in 2020 in Buffalo, I'm thinking we might be celebrating 30. That's awesome. This week, we'll be welcoming New Paltz Reformed Church and Sunnyside Reformed Church in Queens. And on the first Sunday of November, we will have a brand new church born in Brooklyn. That's awesome. An African-American church comprised primarily of 30-year-olds who call themselves Double Love Experience. I would encourage you to Google Double Love Experience and see what they've got going. The church is alive and the church is exciting. And it's exciting right here. So as we gather to recognize 75 years. 175 years. Oh yeah. <laughs> Can't even think that old. 175 years, I'm imagining the generations that have gathered in a worship space, and I know you've had a couple of buildings, but just imagine that you're surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses right now, those generations who have gathered here to hear words of hope, encouragement, solace and challenge and have found in this place a message so powerful that after 175 years, a new generation continues to gather. 
So as I present you with this certificate of recognition, I would encourage you to think, as Elizabeth said, about the next 175 years and the faces who have not yet seen these pews 